0: Fucking idiot with your fucking cat. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm like a cross between Khal Drogo and Adam Savage.
0: <laughs>
2: and I am the mother of
1: dragons. And this is Food for Tools,
0: a podcast for the Equipped Enumerator. Gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone?
1: Al, your hair looks glorious. Tell us how your week was. Uh... Up and down, Ooh. which would have gone into more depth if you'd have let me have my uh, shopping, but we're talking about something else now. Um, so uh, 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 oh, yeah, <laughs> it, fucking... it was gonna be silver linings, wasn't it? Or, or the price, yeah, price. You, you fucking didn't want it. To, you... No, 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 we, we took a vote and we're talking about tools. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, okay. it, it started off with like a trivial um, TV stopped working. Which I'm used to because this TV stopped working three times now for the same thing. Yeah, is and this think, your your big TV? Yes, yeah. and I think Sony did a um, Fight Club on it, and we're basically like, it's going to cost us more to recall yeah. all these TVs instead of just re- repairing them and hoping nobody yeah. notices. But they're repairing them with the with the faulty board, so all they're doing is putting the faulty board. There's no revised board,
2: mm.
1: <sighs> so it's the third time it's happened. Third, same thing every time. But I've had it for seven years, and they still keep honouring it and just doing yeah. free repairs. And it's like, you know what? Fair play to them. <laughs> yeah, they, <won. laughs> they could have sent it out of warranty. Fuck you, but they know they fucked up. So um, yeah, uh, you've gone quiet. You've just suddenly
0: stopped making noise. Nothing.
2: I'll take the edit on this one, by the way, Steve.
1: Uh, uh, there back. we go, you're back. There is. USB, man. Um, did I tell you about my snatch experience of buying a Vitara from some um people of the Travelling Persuasion? No. <laughs> so I sent someone down to buy a, a Suzuki off Facebook. Yes. From a campsite. Yeah. He basically said that he came back with his life. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to rob the, the van and everything and all the kids were running around and stuff and he so said it's a fucking nightmare. Um well I've had the sequel to that because Is um,
0: <laughs> that like layer cake?
1: Kind of, yeah. The the um, the, the, the spiritual successor. Um, so these these three lads rocked up on my drive and were fumbling around trying to get in the car and then wanted to buy it and were offering a bank transfer straight away. And I was like, all right, but you've got to fill in the proper, you know, form, fill yeah. it, ink slips. We're going to do this legit. And he were giving like fake names and stuff. And like, we're, you know, it's just like, just, I don't know whose it is or what you do. Just yeah. as long as it's not my name on there when you go and rag it into some old lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, So they eventually put one of their mate's names on the V5. Bank transfer, fully legit, got the cash. It was like, fill your boots. See you later. And they were just sat in the middle of the road, smoking massive bifters in the car, just revving the engine like as loud. It's like, what are you doing? It's like an automatic. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Um, and then they, they, they burned off. And like they were they were like, they were basically saying they were going to use it on the farm and yeah. um, tow the horse box and stuff. And I was like, oh, but I'll put a tow bar on for you so you can do yeah. it. Was, oh, sweet lads, and put a tow bar on it. Um, and then an hour later, I get this fucking friend request on Facebook. It's like, have you got a Jeep? I was like, uh, kind of, yeah. What do you mean? He's yeah. like, did I just buy a Jeep off you? I was like, yes. He's like, it's broken down. I was like, oh, fucking hell, no, it hasn't. Like, yeah. <laughs> bear in mind, I've just rebuilt the engine on it. It's yeah, yeah. basically a brand new car. Everything's been replaced. It's fucking, I've driven up and down the country of it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just stopped working. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm on my way back to you now on a recovery truck. Yeah. I'm like, fucking hell, here we go. What's going to happen here? It's got no fuel in it. You're close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he pulls it off, and we're cranking it off. It's not starting. And, I, and I, here's me thinking, like, they've nicked something from the car. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't start. They get their money back. You know, whatever. It's some sort of scam. And so I'm going around the car, trying to find out what's wrong with it. Uh, there's bit, there is fuel in it. He so, said, yeah, we filled it up. Um, and it was getting fuel to the, and, and then... They didn't put the fuel cap back on. So I think I, I know where it is. So, so there's no there's no fuel so there's no fuel like pressure in the fuel tank. Yeah. So I go and get another fuel cap. But it, the great thing is I've got three of the same car, so I can just <laughs> interchange parts. Yeah, yeah. And then I put that on, still not working, still not cranking. And like I pull the spark plug out, it's dripping in oil. I'm like, fuck it, what have they been doing? Um and there's like the the door's closed and there's grass just hanging out the door. And I was like, fuck it, it didn't take you long, did it? And he's yeah. like, oh no, no, we've not been off-road, we've not been off-road. I, like, oh, <laughs> I don't care what you do, you yeah. know, it's your car, you do what you want. Um, we wouldn't start, totally dead. So basically, give him his money back, yeah, he fucks off. And now I've got a car that doesn't work and I'm back to square one, apart from I'm down 50 quid for the fucking recovery truck. Uh I've now it's not in my name anymore because I'd already transferred it to them, Fuck. and I'm not getting that fucking V5 back of them. <laughs> um, so I'm, just, I'm trying to get that back and stuff like that. And now I've just got to work out what's wrong with this car. And oh why it <laughs> yeah, It does. It does kind of sound like somebody put diesel in. Uh, yeah, in. It's uh, uh, to have diesel yeah. in it. But no, it's it's fine, and it's it smells like petrol. And yeah, they they, they, they promised me that it was petrol. Um, but they, no, it's it's not sparking, so that something's fucked. Oh, and as God. I say, there's there's lots of weird oil everywhere. So yeah. I reckon they were just sat in a field, just revving it and revving yeah. it and revving it, and it's redlined, and I don't know what they've done. But anyway, that was my mixed bag um, <laughs> of a week. Although On the positive, I have um, actually tidied up the shack and actually cleared it out, hey. and I have got a workbench now, and I even sanded the workbench and painted the workbench Because I'm having to actually make stuff.
0: the fuck you paint the workbench for?
1: Because it was covered in grime and grinder dust. So anything I was making on there was coming out black. (laughs) There you go. So I'm making, like, furniture for people's houses and, like, fixtures and fittings and stuff. Surely Um... now it's just
0: going to be covered in paint. Well,
1: it dried, Steve, before I (laughs) used it. (laughs)
0: It's nice. I was just thinking, like, surely you just sand it back and leave it at that, but...
1: But then it's hard to clean and you know, mm-hmm. now it's got a nice wipeable surface with grind can mm-hmm. just be easily removed from. Makes a lot of sense. Just primer. I'm not a monster. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Good. Um, but yes, yeah, so when I'm actually building real things in a workshop, like, nice. like, a, real, like a real boy. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Using a router oh and everything. Wow. <laughs> um So are you gonna are you
0: gonna fix up the that Vatara and sell it on again?
1: Uh I'll try. Or then I I kind of saw that as like fate, yeah. As if like it doesn't want to be sold;
0: it just wants to stay with you.
1: Yeah. So I'll I'll also fix it up and yeah, put a second engine in it and cut the back off and make a pickup truck. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it. You can sell it to Johnny. He's always looking for a new car. Like genuinely, every week he sends me a. uh,
1: It's not not anywhere near obnoxious enough for Johnny. This is very true. (laughs) He might be coming down this weekend. Um,
0: anyway, that uh, nobody else knows Johnny. So, Brett, what about you? How has your week been? What have you been up to?
2: Well, the adventure continues on finishing the trailer. Uh, I will not go into near as much complaints and details. Really, I just needed to sort out the uh, exterior finishing process. And I think I discussed that a little bit last time. But got it down to the point of just accepting that the desert summer is not the time to be trying to get aluminum looking like it came out of a factory uh so i finally figured out the process that's good enough um like something i'm comfortable delivering uh where it's clean uniform finish but definitely not perfect and definitely not as protected as it could be if you did clear coat it in ceramic or something yeah uh And yeah, we've got a couple of little bits and bobs to sort out uh, on the interior, and then I'm waiting on my third set of wheels and tires, because wouldn't you know it, I thought it was going to be a relatively easy get to just put tires and wheels on this. Uh, It's not, because it's old and everything was considered specialty, so I had to wait multiple days to get ones that didn't even fit, then send those back, and then get other ones, and then those didn't fit because no one knows how their fucking system works, and clearly the professionals at these tire places don't really care. So I finally went to an old man down the road who has a small garage shop uh, with a few employees, and he knew exactly, exactly what was going on. And while we are still kind of crossing our fingers that everything works, he was the only one that didn't look at his computer the first thing he just came out wrote a bunch of numbers down and then took a couple of measurements off of the tire size and then went in he goes okay here's what we're looking at i was like oh awesome none of those numbers match anything that anybody else told me he was like yeah they don't know what (laughs) they're doing um the i think the coolest bit was we had to have a discussion of the exact copy of that tire they don't even really make it anymore uh because are tube there's a tube inside of it and they're biased tires and no one really does that anymore because they're just there's more benefits to having a radial tire um but he was like yeah i mean if we order them they'll come from like europe so they're going to be kind of expensive and uh and I had to put, you know, actual wheels, like metal wheels inside of them. He's like, then we got to look for a specialty that fits those two. So we're looking at like 1800 bucks. And I was like, no, thank you. I do not want to spend that on these. So we're going for equivalent, uh, but not exact copy. Just crossing my fingers on that. Uh, I think the other two things that happened since last we recorded were um, my buddy Ryan that I've talked about a bunch. Uh, I, if anybody watched... Instagram when I was actually posting stuff on there I was going over there I made the anchor at his place uh, Ryan was kind of my buddy blacksmith out here in the desert he moved on to better and better things for himself Nice, uh, and that's awesome for him I'm really excited He's he's got a lot of really good things going on for him um, but that does mean I lost the access to the power hammer because he's actually going to babysit it uh, for however long it needs to be babysat because I don't have a place to store it over here. And if even if I did put it in my storage unit that I have, that would just mean it's in there unused, <laughs> which is unfortunate. So he'll at least get the use out of it. Uh, the kicker was I got to bring back my hydraulic press, um, my coal iron press, which oh, nice. I haven't had in here since I got it. And wouldn't you know it, I decided while I was waiting on wheels and tires maybe we just do a little bit of work on the trailer and then maybe get in the forge and work on the sculptural stuff that I want to work on. Nice. And although most of it is just process like tapers and and all that just to get parts made. I did work on the hydraulic press last night just to go, Hey, I wonder if I can, I've learned a thing or two since you've been in this shop. Let's see if I can make the pieces look the way that I want them to look. And not only was it, hilarious how much of a time save it was considering what i was doing a few days ago um which if anybody if anybody does do any smithing or metalwork you know you take a pipe and then if you want to make a collar in the pipe or make like a smaller area of the pipe and then make a swell around it you have to very like slowly kind of turn and baby it with some fullering tools um yeah press does that real fast and i was doing that by hand a week ago uh so I think I made two pieces a week ago and then I made like 15 last night <laughs> in the same time. So it's fantastic to have that back. Um it's nice to have the tool back, makes you feel like I can produce more things when uh life opens up a little bit more after the trailer. Uh and then I'll pull a Steve and say I've got a few things going on in the background that if some some planets align, uh I'll be able to talk about those in the near future. Some, some cool things that I want to start making again, Nice. whether they are for gifties or for sales or whatever. I'm going to figure that out. We have to make sure that things work to begin with. Um, I think that's it though. It's, it's been a lot of just moving forward and getting progress made when and where I can. And although it's a little bit slow, I do feel like it's been a pretty
0: productive week or so,
1: which is nice.
2: It hasn't felt that way in a while. So I'll take it.
0: Love it, nice one, man. Um, yeah, I. Uh, what have I been up to? I
2: have. Steve, what have you been up to? No one asked.
0: A uh, a bit of a shit week, to be honest. Um, so the mortgage came out, um, and there wasn't enough money in the bank to pay at all. Uh, and there wasn't. There also wasn't enough money. Enough fuel in the car to get to the workshop. Uh, so. I couldn't fuel the car up. I get to the garage. I could have driven to the garage, but I didn't have the money to put any fuel in and I didn't have the thing. So I just had to wait at home for like however many hours until the mortgage payment got returned. So I had enough money to put fuel in the car to get to the workshop. Worst of it was that um the uh when the payment uh, the next day, sorry. Um I made enough sales that I could have paid the mortgage easily, like and had money left over to spare. Um, it's just the fact that it came out a daily. So that kind of like put a bit of a dampener on my day and on my week. Um and uh, and because of that, um I started looking around at some other things that I could do to make some money. Um and two things came out of it. First one is Finally, getting a, a kind of merch store set up. Um, I, I think uh, it's kind of, I think I spoke about it before with uh, the conversation I had with Neil um, from NMB Woodworks, where we nile
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: fucking Neil, uh, where we, it's no, it's a fucking strop, you dickhead. <laughs> Although, yes, to be fair, I do see, yeah, that does look like a, I'm going to put the paddle down. Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, so basically a print on demand, um, merch shop. Um, I've, uh, already sent the link out to my Patreons so they can at least see what's going on there. I've got, um, a couple bits of like samples on order that, uh, should be arriving hopefully before this podcast comes out. Um, and if the quality is decent, then I can open it up to the public. Um, had to, get in touch with al a few times that day because uh i was having to do designs on illustrator and i'm very bad at that and he is very good at that um so it's quite nice kind of having a couple little like 10-15 minute hangouts with Al, just going through some like questions and queries and him going no you're an idiot do it like this um and yeah like it, it was really nice to just kind of finally start moving on that and it means that now i can kind of go actually i'm gonna put um Like when I've got an idea for a t-shirt or a hat or a sticker or whatever, I can do the design, stick it up on there. And it's, yeah, it's hopefully a way of just bringing a bit of extra income. Uh, The other thing is because of this money situation um, and like I say, the frustration being that the money was there, it just wasn't there in time. Um, And like, there's a, there's a few other bits of that going on where, I just need to have a little bit of regular income so i was looking at going back onto or going basically going back to doing door work um i really did not want to do it because essentially where i would be end up working i'd be working till like four or five in the morning every thursday friday saturday and that would just suck um so i was talking to some family about it and uh Um, my sister told me i was like why don't you just work at the armory which is a a local pub in town i was like um because i still don't have like i the only reason i'd be working with these other people is because they pay for the license um and she's like oh no no they need bar staff so uh, basically i'm now going back behind the bar in one of the local pubs which is actually like it's a proper pub pub Mm -hmm. as opposed to just like a shitty bar um so yeah that's kind of great it means that i'm gonna have like some regular income coming in um and it's quite nice because the people that run it are like super nice super friendly um and kind of trust me to be able to do my thing but it's just gonna be really nice being able to go in and just not have to worry about it just be like yeah i'm just gonna pull pints and leave when my shift is over and not have to stress about any of the other bullshit that goes with it mm-hmm. um but yeah uh so I did that um all but two of the the knives are now gone. I've got uh these two left, which this one I fucking love, mm-hmm. and I kinda hope it doesn't sell because I kind of want to keep it um and uh and then at the moment, as you might be able to tell by the state of my face and arms and hands uh I am back to axe making um so again, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, there should be four land Rover axes up for sale um which, again, I'm super excited about because everyone's, um, ever since I put the Land Rover axe up, uh, loads of people have been asking about getting a hold of one, and I've never been in a position where I've been able to make them um, or felt comfortable making them. And already, like I'm halfway through two of them, and they're so much better than the axes I used to make, Like just from having that little bit of extra um, help from Joe, help, help and advice from Joe, and, like my uh as i say my my patience i guess because i'm not having to rush through it because it's not like oh i get two hours in the workshop and that's it it's like no if i don't mm-hmm. get and i do it tomorrow so i'm able to actually go through the process without trying to rush through it which is super fucking nice um <clears throat> but yeah i think I'm, I'm i'm quite excited to see how many people um look at getting one of these axes because yeah, you don't you don't need an axe in your land rover but it does it just kind of adds to it a little bit which uh, which segues beautifully into this week's topic uh i love that smile from alva um which is uh tools maketh the fool um basically it's just about i just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the the way that, um, like, we're obviously big fans of you don't need to spend a lot of money to get going with stuff. And you really don't. Like, even with blacksmithing, like, you can just have a, like a, an off-cut puck of mild steel and a hammer from Harbour Freight and a couple of blowtorches and some, like, insulation. Make a forge, get it hot. You know, you can have it as a fucking hole in the ground. Get some steel hot and hit it. You, know, you can be blacksmithing but everyone wants to have a nice anvil. And like there's, it gets to like the gear acquisition side of things where it is just having the gear for the sake of having the gear. But there's also, there's, there is a certain level of acceptance with, um, with buying certain bits of equipment, like whether it's having a, a a really nice welding helmet or, you know, a, a hand forged hammer or, you know, a particular brand of, wood plane or router or whatever and feeling like actually you're i don't want to say like you've made it because that's not quite what i mean but feeling like you're a legitimate um blacksmith or woodworker or 3d printer or whatever else like and i just wondered if you guys had any other kind of things like that that um yeah.
1: You, can, I, can I just asterisk the welding mask thing? Yes. I, d- I don't think it's about like making it or like being like your uh, yeah, position. I, it's like you need a good welding mask. Yeah. Having had shit welding masks, many of them. Yeah. <laughs> even uh, a sort of like mid tier level one. Yeah. <laughs> just just get a good welding mask.
0: Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it is, is one of those things that's worth it's worth spending that yeah. a little bit extra. Oh my god, it makes such and but you say that, like even like a 60, 70 quid one.
1: No, oh, that that to me is a good weld mask. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean like a five hundred quid one yeah. with fucking air conditioning and yeah. But yeah, like like 60, 70 Heads quid display. And, you can get,
0: and and you can get like the true color ones in that mm. price range now. And fuck they're brilliant. Really, really good. Sorry, bro. I cut you off then.
2: Ah, no, no worries. Um I don't think I was quite as aware of that aspect of tooling or, or building kit out. Where early on it was just like, I don't know, I can't afford that thing. It's crazy. Like, why would people even spend that money on it? Because you can just buy a cheaper version of that tool. And if it burns out, you just get another one. Or maybe just don't run it so hard. You know, don't ask too much from the tool. But once you can step into uh, the tier, let's call it, if you can step into the tier of a specific piece of equipment, not only does it just it's like higher quality but it works better it makes your it makes the work that you do easier the welding helmet seems to be or to me seems like a really good example because i used you know i I was lucky enough i was in jimmy's shop and we got all those lincoln uh viking uh, yeah. helmets yeah. so auto darkening like had cool designs on them whatever you know aesthetically pleasing um but then i used the ESAB one which is yeah. expensive. It's a very expensive helmet for anybody that's not welding all the time. It would be kind of dumb to spend a bunch of money on a helmet like that if you're not welding all the time. But I'll tell you what, the minute I got that thing, I was an okay welder. I'm still not a, a fantastic welder, but my skill level didn't necessarily change in, in like the year or two in between that mask and the ESOP one. It's just the ease of doing it and then I got better Easy. at it because I could, see it e- I could see it better. Also, there's a grind setting on it, so I can use it as a protective mm-hmm. mask. And f- lots of controls, right? It's digital on the inside. So, like, how much do you want it to darken and all these things? And I went through and fiddled with everything to get settings that worked really well for me. Um, I didn't realize how much of a difference that was going to be to just my, uh, my process and working. I now yeah. no longer have to rely on uh, a, a big thing with the the less expensive helmets. Are if you have light coming from a direction or your mask is pointed at daylight, mm-hmm. and you try and weld, it like can't figure out what you're doing, so it doesn't quite darken everything the same. So you have to specifically position or like put blockers in front of everything. Um and you don't always have that capability, right? If you were welding under your truck, it's not like you can flip your truck over to uh, I, fix
0: that. I've had that issue so many times and I have genuinely before now like especially if you're trying to weld like over sneak and you've got like the sun behind you or whatever, because even if you like even if the helmet like knows when to darken, like if you've got light coming in from behind you, you can't see shit because it's just reflecting off the screen. Right. So I, I have before now made a, a secondary helmet. Out of cardboard to go around the back of my head to keep like the inside of it dark because yeah, I had a, a, a shitty helmet at the time. Whereas now I've got um, the the Sentinel, and holy shit, it makes such a difference. And I think like oh, you, you have
2: the same one I do, Steve. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 heck yeah. yeah. I, I think what you um, what you were saying, like the the way that I kind of um, think about it is the fact that it. When it improves it that much, it becomes justifiable. So you know you you can justify getting that tool because a it, you know it saves you X amount of time, or you, know, you use it often enough that it's worth that extra money for the the really good dust extraction or mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. whatever. Like um, it, you know, if it, it's one of those like where you're just starting out and you're just trying things, then you know you don't necessarily care too much about dust extraction or this or that other whatever. Mm-hmm. But when it gets to the point where it's like actually. I do. I produce good enough quality work, and often enough that it is justifiable for me to spend out and get the Festo or the Mafel or the whatever that's got really good dust extraction. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, or even just to actually spend the money and buy a fucking dust extractor, like because those things are fucking expensive. Ooh, but holy, holy shit. shit, do they <laughs> make absolutely. a difference? Yeah. This this kind of reminds me,
2: and I believe we've discussed this a little bit before when we were talking about photography, maybe like years ago, or, or video making. But, you know, a lot of people there for a while was just like, get whatever the new Canon 5D Mark whatever series they were on. Yeah. And it kind of automatically, because they made them so user-friendly, it was like if you could pay $3,000, you could probably snap pictures, and they would come out pretty nice because it would do... Even the auto functions on it or the auto settings on it were good. They were pre-programmed in there. So my question to both of you guys is how much would you try and motivate somebody or or give the advice to somebody who was starting out in a thing that they were really passionate about? Would you even have the discussion of "Mm, if you have the budget, if you have the budget, I would suggest just like going for this top tier thing. Or would you say, You'll be better off learning on cheaper garbage stuff that if you do ruin it, like you can get rid of it, right? I feel like this is a discussion everybody's had at some point in their life of like, am I even ready to play in the big leagues with that big expensive tool? Because what if I break it? Well, I won't feel so bad if I break a cheap one, but then you're going to spend double the money to you know, get a new one anyways, and then you're halfway to the more expensive one. Is it better, in your guys' opinion, to start small, start slow, or do you set yourself up for maybe easier work, better work, higher quality by spending the extra money? It
1: depends where you're doing, because I've had a massive reappraisal of my approach to things like this. Yeah. So, back to welding, we've gone off topic of welding for some reason, <laughs> right? It's all welding. <laughs> um, Piotr gave me that stick welder that I've never yes. welded before, right? And it was amazing, and I could weld things, and I welded my fucking car through its MOT with a stick welder and you know it was my entrance into welding and it was like a a, a baptism of fire because yeah. it's really difficult to weld stick nicely. Yeah. But by the time I got onto MIG, MIG was easy, right? So it was a nice way in. But now off the topic of welders, um now I'm making stuff to sell. It's like I can justify paying money for stuff. Yeah. When it was hobby stuff, and I was like, I'd never used something before. Let's try using this tool, you know? Let's try using a chop saw that someone gave me for free. It's like, oh, this is okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, now I'm like, no, now I pay 60 quid for a blade to put on that chop saw, yeah, even though the chop saw was free because I know that will make a world of difference, and Mm -hmm. I know that, like, consumable, like, Steve, I've just ordered. Remember we went to that um, hardware store and we got those polishing discs. Yes, ages yeah. ago. It's like a set of three polishing discs for the angle grinder. Yeah, and it's like I know they're good. Yeah, and uh, I, I bought them. And it was like it's more than anything any disc I've ever bought for my angle grinder. You know, I'd buy like the multi-pack cut-off discs. And, yeah, like, yeah, fucking like um, flat discs and stuff. But it, yeah. I know it's worth it. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm now making stuff that I want people to be proud of and to last, and you know to make life easy for me, I will justify it. But Brett, to answer your question about the giving someone advice about going for that next level one, this has happened a couple of times. It happened with a welder. My mate was like, oh, I've got this budget and I want to buy this welder. And I'm like, do your research. For 50 quid more, you can get that one that's also gas and gasless. and, and And it's just that extra little bit of power that you might need one day and you'll be frustrated if you don't and on paper it looks like you're getting a better deal or it's cheaper or whatever but actually yeah. in the long run it's a false economy so i think you just got to do a little bit of research
0: yeah i i like 100% agree with that i think it's one of those where it's it's knowing like especially if it's something that you know about it's 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 knowing and being able to say to someone like actually a little bit more will save you so much hassle cuz like the cheap thing is super cheap and super shitty but spending that little bit extra just makes it doable but without going into the you know the 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 top tier realm but i think Mm -hmm. like it from from my point of view i think it depends on the the person and like their experiences and 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 everything like obviously each one is going to be different but like the the camera um example that you use brett like for for me like yes you can go out and you can spend you know if you've got the money yeah go out and by all means spend you know Five six thousand pounds on a camera and then another eight thousand pounds on a lens mm-hmm. and you know your pictures are like with the the technology now like you know just with auto settings you're going to take fantastic pictures in in terms of like all of the settings but it's the composition that makes the difference so with that you can like you can go out and you can get a you literal fucking disposable camera because you can still buy them um but a disposable camera and you can go out and you can take some fucking phenomenal pictures if you know how to take a photo if you if your composition's good or you can go out and you can spend 10 grand on a really expensive camera but never actually take good photos because you don't know how to compose a photo um so i think it's 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 kind of that balancing act of like maybe just go and take a course or just borrow someone else's or do whatever or go and have like a, an experience day just to see if you've got that ability there that it's worth investing in, or mm-hmm. if it's something where you're better off just you just get the cheap one and just just have a play and enjoy yourself, sort of thing.
1: Do do from a personal experience, do exactly what you just said. Go and buy a disposable camera because yeah. it will teach you spend a day with it it'll teach you to um respect each shot because you can't delete it you can't throw it away you've got a limited number it will teach you to take your time because the fucking iso on them is terrible and you've got to compose things and actually you know expose them for a long time um and you've not got a screen to look through to make things look sexy and you can't edit them and things like that so it's a really good exercise in teaching you how to Take good photographs is get a really, really, really shit camera.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh I, sorry,
0: yeah. I was gonna say it doesn't even have to be like a disposable one. Just like borrow a friend's like 35 mil mm. and go out and buy a couple of reels of film. Because shit's expensive. So you know, it, even with that, you you're gonna be worried about every single thing. And when you go out and you take a load of photos and then you get them developed and realize that you had it you had it set to completely the wrong iso so you didn't even get anywhere near the correct exposure and you've just wasted that entire film that's when you go fuck okay i'm gonna do that again i'm gonna do it properly and you 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 learn because like you say you otherwise you're just chucking money away
1: and then when it comes to digital you're flying
0: yeah
2: yeah um this is a bit of a reminder on and i'm I'm glad you put it the way that you did, Al, where it's the exercise or like workout, right? So many people want the instant results nowadays. Um, When I was taking film photography during university, that was a lot of it, right? It was like, well, you can take as many photos as you want, but like the school doesn't pay for your film. So if you fuck up because you're doing a bad job and you didn't take the time to learn in these classes... If you got a bunch of money, go ahead, throw at it. If your parents are paying for your film, so be it. Like shoot 15 rolls and then bring a man and we'll look for one good photo. And it teaches you to respect not only the consumable aspect of things, but I feel like it forced me to just pay more attention. Like, what am I yeah. looking at? Is this really worthy of a photo? Like, am I just taking a photo of a tree? Who gives a shit, right? But taking that same analogy over into the maker stuff and the tools that we buy, um, I like, I like being able to work with less, right? It is something that we've talked about time and time again is you don't need everything to complete a project. And as much as we would all have a bunch of tools and like full perfect kit for everything that we're doing, if, if you have the right mindset, I feel like you're, you're giving yourself a really healthy challenge. Uh, you can't expect to go to a gym and then lift for an hour. And then the next day you look like you're chiseled out of marble, right? There's, you have to put time and effort and work into it. And then you actually have to focus on it. Steve, you know this as well as anybody else that does any kind of exercise, but there are so many improper ways to work out. And not a lot of people pay attention to form and like lifting correctly. Yeah. So to take that into the maker world, it's like, well, I, I get that you bought the most expensive angle grinder on the market and it's, it's got speed control on it. It's a quick clip, you know, combi clip or whatever that they talk about. There are angle grinders out there that are hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and they're fucking great. But much like because we we all talk about cars, you guys more than me, when you start getting into BMWs and shit like that, service costs more. Consumables cost more. Everything attached to it costs more. So if you haven't learned to respect the tool, you're going to have a harder time understanding, much like Steve's saying with the camera stuff too, why is it going wrong? Why is it breaking? How do I actually go and get it serviced? Oh my God, it almost costs as much as a brand new one just to get it serviced because it's it's a specific, or not a yeah. specific, it's like a specialty tool right at that point. Like you've just hit a level of, now it seems like a flex or that you're, you're so high-end and so professional that that is your lowest tier. That's the lowest common denominator now. I don't think we know a lot of people like that. But the give and take with me on that is I will always spend a little bit more money, but there has to be the work put in ahead of time to feel like I've worked out those muscles or, or mentally worked that muscle out to go. I know I can use that thing properly. I know I can take care of it and it will make my life easier. Cost is is just a benefit analysis at that point.
0: Yeah. I mean, it. The thing is, is there's, there's so many different analogies you can use for that kind of argument, because it it is, it's very much a case of, um, with, with something like this of figuring out, like, let you say, like, is this just for, is this worth it? Because it might be a case of actually, you know what, the work that you produce is of such high quality and gets sold for such an extortionate amount that the money kind of becomes insignificant. Um, or it might be a case of you've got these really, really expensive tools that do a lot of the work for you, but you're still producing something that's a bit there. <laughs> like, there you go. I mean,
2: that's the, that's the, a really good trade-off too.
0: <laughs> like the, the classic example is um, the Nuremberg ring um, and Sabine Schmidt going around in a transit van, overtaking people in Porsche 911s. Like, it, just because you've got a super fast car doesn't mean you're able to drive it. And just the, just because you've got the nicest tracksaw in the world doesn't mean you're going to be making beautiful cabinet furniture sort of thing. Like there are there are so many um, factors to it, and I think um, it's it's important to know to understand why you're doing it. Because, like I say, it it might be like because. It, 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 one of the the, the examples i set up uh, in the pre-show was um like forging hammers like the fact that you can have a hammer from harbor freight or you can go out and you can spend a a lot of money on a hand forged um smithing hammer and someone asked me once um because we were talking about like the the hammers that we use like why do you put why why would you pay so much for like that hammer and um I mean, we can't have because it, it's you know it's handmade. It's this, that, and the other, and yeah, you know, everything else. But yeah, but I, I get that it's handmade. But why is that a better hammer than this one? And the hammer that I've been using all day today is a mass-produced. Um, I think it's actually a German German make of a Swedish pattern hammer, um, and uh, and it it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, I put a new handle on it and it works perfectly. It does exactly what I need it to do. Um, And so it does beg the question, like, well, why would, why would you go and spend so much more on one of those hammers? It's like, because it's kind of in a weird way, it's almost like a rite of passage. It it almost feels like it's, it's one of those things where you kind of, um, you justify the expenditure, not because it's necessarily going to improve your, um, your skill or anything, but because it's it's almost like a status symbol I mean don't me wrong like there, there are examples where you know you're gonna be um, like the the big uh, four and a half pound um, cross bean that I've got from uh, John like you can't really get a, a cheap mass-produced equivalent of that um, but a lot of like the two two and a half pound um, cross beans like you can get fairly decent, cheap equivalents of that you know you get it and you redress the face and put a new handle on it and you're into like maybe like 20 bucks and you've got a really good hammer but it's not quite the same um and i do i think it's it, it is almost just an ego thing um but that's not necessarily a bad thing because it just it makes you feel more like a proper smith, and more like one mm-hmm. of the one of the guys, sort of thing. And like I say, it's kind of a, a rite of passage, sort of doodad.
1: Brett used a good word before Steve went off on a rumble, and it was worthy. Mm. And I think that's great because um, I remember. So I've been. I said I was using this router, right? <clears throat> Which is great when you're making stuff for real. Um, and I remember Seaside Rick when he came to visit. Yes. And he was He was teaching people how to use routers. And he was like, basically, you can make anything you want with the router. If you're going to make cabinets, all you need is a router. <clears throat> and he was talking about the bits. Yeah. And he was like, get the fucking good bits. Get the trend bits. Don't get the yeah. shitty bits from Silverline. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but why, why? It's like, how good is a bit going to be? Like, when it's going at 30,000 RPM, like, what difference yeah, does it yeah. make? Um, and surely it's like, you know, made legally. It's not yeah, like yeah. you just made some knockoff thing off, off uh, Alibaba. And it makes the world a difference. And you come out with a better finish and you save time because you're not having to sand and all these things. And, like, the tool being worthy for the work you're doing, I think, is really important. Yeah. And when, like, kitchen knives, like, Brett, when I have a nice joint of meat, which is a fucking treat in my house now, um, I use the knife that you made me. One, because it's fucking hefty and I can, like, hack through <laughs> bones with it. Um, yeah. But two, it's because it's worthy of the food I'm eating. You know, yeah. everything else I just prep with a $10 Knife I got from the Chinese shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I get out the nice stuff. It's like getting out your nice silverware. Yeah. When yeah, the yeah. guests come around, it's like, is the work I'm doing today worthy of spending money on a good tool? If it is, and you're doing it every day, then it's worthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you should do it. And it's not yeah. a treat. It's not like, oh, I treated myself and it's special. And it's like, it's not. You're using it every day. It's got to be comfortable. Got to do the job right. Yeah. And it'll do it. It'll, you'll get a nice finish at the end of it. Yeah.
2: Right. And I, I'm kind of joining these two things together, but Steve, you're right. And I, I do think ego, the, the ego aspect that you're talking about, it's not a bad thing. Like the idea yeah. that you do feel worthy of like, Hey, I consider myself, even if you're a hobbyist blacksmith, but you're like, Hey, I care yeah. about this. I give yeah. a shit about what I'm doing and I want to get better at it. And you're supporting the inner community of other Smiths, fellow Smiths. If you're buying a hammer from somebody like John, which I own, two of now, and I hope to get another one. I love his hammers. I could technically make my own hammers. Steve, you could yeah. too. Like We have all the tools and capacity to make our own shit. But I would still... I mean, I can't make up to that level. Absolutely freaking not. But the idea that you put some pride and you feel... You you deem yourself worthy of yeah. getting a tool like that and spending the money on it. It means that you you have this pride that is attached to using that tool and then the stuff that you create with that tool has that pride injected into you. like, I am proud of this piece. I feel like if all you want to do is try and approach things with, I'm going to have the cheapest kit, I'm going to do this as like bare bones and and just low cost as possible, but I am going to try and produce the highest and most expensive product that I possibly can. I think that's really hard to do. I think that's when you get into the actual art world where it's so subjective that somebody can tape a banana to the wall and then sell it as a piece of art right that is a very low cost piece Mm. that sold or banksy stuff you know he might put a little bit of money behind a an installation but once you get into that world of like i'm gonna go rogue and do it with you know sticks and super glue you don't really get I feel like it's very difficult, and it yeah. does get into that negative aspect of ego where you're like, you think you're breaking the mold so much and what you produce with garbage is that impactful that somebody's gonna spend a lot of money on it? Then you're just in fine art world. Yeah, I don't think that's the kind of thing where you're like, I built a chair with ten dollars worth of shit and wood that I took out of the garbage. You may have an awesome challenge ahead of you to make something that's respectable but i don't necessarily think you could put that next to a uh, what like a nakame george nakashima yeah i he's a really famous furniture maker i don't think you could necessarily walk into the same room put your chair next to his chair and be like i'm see i'm right there on that fucking level where that guy spent 30 years drawing specific pieces of japanese wood in his own you know warehouse yeah. space and like kept track of it and, and knows every aspect of that piece of wood that he then created a chair out of. So it was effectively perfect to his quality standards. I, I don't know. I don't, I feel like going too cheap and asking for too much at the end. Like you said, yeah. the intent, like what's the aim of what you're planning on doing. If you want to put pride into overcoming the challenge of limited tooling and stuff like that, great. I think we all get to live in that win But if you're asking too much of the end and like wanting people to respect the arduous task you went through to use hand tools and garbage wood, you know, to make a chair, you are like all you did was make a fucking chair at the end of the day. It's great that you did that, but I'm not going to spend $5,000 on your chair.
0: (laughs) I mean, like I, I agree, but at, at the same time, like there's nothing to say that you can't produce like fucking amazing work with like, bare minimal tools exactly. and all of that. yeah. that. Yeah. But there, there is a certain amount of like, like, like the blacksmith hammer thing, I'm going to come back to that, like it, it just makes you feel legit. It makes you feel like, actually, like, yeah. Like you go into the workshop, like, it's one of those, you, if you go into the workshop and you pick up that Harbour Freight hammer, you kind of go like, eh, like, yeah, it's it's fine, I'm not sure about using it. But, you know, you go in and you pick up the, you know, the, the hand-forged hammer made by someone who you really respect. Mm-hmm. It's like, like Al said, like, it, it's not just the fact that it's, um, well, it, it is a treat, but it's a treat that you get to use every day. So it makes every day going into the workshop feel just that little bit extra and that little bit, um, mm. nicer. It makes you feel almost like you should be trying more because you need to justify the the thing that you've got. Yeah.
2: I, I'm going to flip this on you and just ask, I feel like it's a short answer from either of you guys, but do you ever have Do you ever have conversations, or have you ever run into somebody who's just like, "Oh my God, they're selling a breadboard for six hundred dollars"? I don't understand how they can justify that. And just to entertain the yeah, thought, but
1: it's an American flag, Brett. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but just to
2: entertain the thought, you walk up and you're like, "Oh man, this is really pretty." Like, uh, how'd you make it? Or you know, you, you yeah. want to try and avoid the like, "Why the fuck are you charging so much for it?" But you just trying to eke into that, and they'll be like, "Well." I have a $6,000 Festool shop tools and, you know, therefore it is the best of the best. And, And because I have this high operating cost, I have to justify the prices of my tools. I've had that conversation a few times before with various people where I feel like the price is, I don't understand it. So I just want an explanation of if it costs as much as it costs, so be it. Just explain it to me. Justify it a little bit to me, and then I might entertain the the idea of buying it. But more often than not, they kind of come back with just like, "Well, I use really expensive shit, therefore it's really expensive piece." Yeah. I've never really been What's able you? to understand that. Cause, that's like uh,
1: saying I've got a solid gold hand plane, so therefore everything I make yeah costs as much. It's like, well, exactly. that's, your, that's your fault, thickhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you I mean, if you're actually like a savvy business person, you'd have got you would have bought efficient. one from yeah. And, yeah. if, and Tony, if that happens to yeah. be a festal domino, so be it. Yeah. But it shouldn't mean that your chopping boards are six hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. I mean <laughs> you're taking too long.
0: <laughs> the the only uh kind of like devil's advocate I would play with that is the fact that like because I was thinking about it today, about the fact that because uh I had to make the drift before I started making the the hammers and I had to make you know a bolster and I had to make this and I had to make so I had to make a bunch of tools to be able to make these axes. Um and someone asked why the axes were like the prices that they're going to be like, why are they going to be so expensive? And I was like, well, because it takes a fucking long time to make them all. And it's not just making the, the axes themselves. It's making the tools and maintaining the tools and, um, and all of the extra things that go into like having the space to be able to, the space and the equipment to be able to make those axes. So that does, in a way that does factor into the cost. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can justify selling a, really shitty chopping board for 7000 pounds because it's made on a fucking golden festival thing wood yeah, cutting thing, thing. like yeah you know, using an expensive tool does not justify um on its own does not justify having an expensive product but if you
1: if anything it should make it cheaper because you're able to to make them more efficiently well, I was going to say reduce it, it, steps and things like yeah. that. Like, oh, I've got yeah. a better forge that you know, therefore yeah. it heats up. You know, whatever. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, but obviously, the, you know that that cost does factor into it. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think that really does. you, you can't really justify it on every single one because it's an unless investment unless you're you costing
1: things properly. Yeah, yeah. And going here's my yearly outgoings. Here's my hourly yeah. rate. Here's my yeah. salary. Here's my insurances. Here's how much it costs for my fucking payment on my truck. Yeah, and you're actually you're doing an Andy Mac on it. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, going, therefore, my hourly rate is 35 pounds an hour.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so which like... is which is fair <laughs> enough. Like, but I think like you say, just saying, well, I use a, a expensive equipment, so everything I make is expensive. Because again, it comes down to that thing of like whether it whether or not it's justifiable. And I think just using something that's expensive does not justify an expensive product. If the mm-hmm. it's like it's like me taking a, a fucking expensive camera and going and taking a shit photo and being like, oh well, it might be really badly composed, but it was taken on an expensive camera, so you've got to give me money for it. Like, no, that's not how it works. Um, that being said, I think if you do want to go out and you want to buy something that's mid-range or, yeah, go
1: on then. But professional photographers do not use fucking Likers. They all use Hasselbads. If, if, if the argument was, I want a fancy fucking yeah. posh camera, then the luxury thing is yeah, yeah, yeah. not true because people get the best thing for the job. Yeah. Oh, 100%. legitimate people. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're a fucking influencer or you're just showing off. Yeah. That that argument goes out the window. Yeah. I mean, most of the
0: most of the professional photographers I know don't even use them, but like a lot of professional professional photographers I know have a couple of Nikons or a yeah. couple of canons and some really fucking nice lenses. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Um because they'll have a couple because they're cheap enough that they can buy a couple so they don't need to spend time switching between fucking lenses they can just have them set up ready to go um but yes if you want to go out and buy something whether it's mid-range or high-end or whatever like if it if you can either justify it it makes you feel legit or it just makes you feel good fucking get it go it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks get it because those are all spiffing reasons
1: People that we think
0: that are spiffing. Cool. Uh, Al, have you got an order?
1: Yeah, it's bizarre.
0: Bizarre, bizarre. which means Brett, you are first.
2: Right. I can assume that YouTube figured out I like watching this one uh, Japanese carpenter that I spiffed a few weeks back. Um, he's still working on a uh he's like building his house i think now he's he's found some success in things i'm very happy about that i'm pretty sure he's working on his own house and building it from the foundation up which is cool based on that suggestion though uh i got a channel on my suggested page uh and the the channel's name is tokyo Lama. um young man and his family bought an abandoned property in japan and they're doing like a ground up restoration of it and after i watched the first couple of episodes it's like it's very clear that things are just different over there than they would be over here like when a property's that abandoned and that off the beaten path they really do go for like zero money i think he even admits it that he only paid like 20 grand for the entire house
1: um, and property. yeah it's it's not just you that's been recommended this channel Ah. shit shitloads on mine as well so i don't know what he's doing right or how he's getting it pushed but yeah it's i don't know well (laughs) he's
2: he speaks english i I, i'm not sure what his i've been watching it i watched the um the the rotten veranda one Yeah. yeah yeah and it's it's really that's exactly the same one that i watched when i first got the suggestion um even admits it in that video he's like not doing the perfect japanese joinery and there's some things that are just like we're going to fix this and then we're going to totally restore this there's water damage and stuff so as somebody who's like i've now become a little bit more keen on watching things like carpentry like people that actually build structures and things like that that's just a really intriguing aspect of making that i don't know that i really paid enough attention to so this guy being that he's not a super professional contractor uh, it's just been really interesting to watch a few of the videos because it's different kind of construction than over here. And it's not a historical property, but it's got so much of that aesthetic to it. And the buildings themselves are so unique compared to what I deal with every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become really intriguing to figure out, like, how are you going to fix that tile roof, like the pagoda-style roof? If it has any issues like over here, it's just a bunch of red, you know, that Spanish tile work or whatever. But when you actually have 100 year old traditional Japanese joinery and you buy this house because you got it for a deal. How do you go about treating it with respect? But also getting it back up to snuff. It's been a really interesting channel to watch. So I'm just enjoying the little adventure of this guy and his family. Tokyo Lama.
0: Nice, man. Yeah, that's um... all right. I I have not had it um suggested on my uh page on YouTube so I will have to Yeah, why
2: would Steve look it. at housework though or like framing and things woodwork. like that. Woodwork woodwork <laughs> like
0: <that>. Yeah it's <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not not my deal um but yeah uh good shout uh what was the other bizarre that means I um next yeah yes okay I did get the order right. Uh I'm not gonna spiff a um a, a channel or a person. I'm gonna spiff one specific video. Uh which Al, I don't know if you can guess which one it is, but it was one I sent you earlier. Um it was it's on the Ooh, yes. yes, the Drive Tribe channel. Um and it's got Richard Hammond on it. Um, but it's the very first I land. That. I watched it's, that last night. It's fucking great. Um, so yeah, it's 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 titled uh, Richard Hammond on the greatest barn find of all time, but essentially it is a um, a video on the the first ever Land Rover, the first one off the production line, um, which is JUE four seven seven is the number plate, um, and the fact that it was it was bought and sold, and people knew where it was. Up until like the mid seventies, I think it was, and then it just disappeared. Nobody know knew exactly where it was. Spoilers, or um, and uh, and the fact that they, you know, they they found it. it Spoilers, was fucking. Just people to watch the video. I do, but no, I'm going to talk about a little bit of the thing. Okay. Um, and the fact that they found it and they, you know, they want to do the restoration on it and who bought it and also what they did with it when it was restored. And I think that's the that's the key bit of the whole video for me is what they did with it when it was restored um
1: and uh and i will not even just restoring it because it, it got halfway through yeah and i didn't know th- i didn't know that they were going to restore it and oh, i just really? thought it was a bunch of wankers <laughs> at auction buying something yeah. that was expensive yeah and it was just going to sit in this fucking showroom and i was like well, i don't mm-hmm. want to not interested but, in I don't watch th- it.
0: because that's the thing is because they even said that like uh at one point it's the fact that you know when you buy something like that, like, what do you do with it? Like, is it just going to go sit in a museum somewhere, mm-hmm. or is it actually going to get restored? And again, it, it comes down to that whole thing of like, why why would you buy it if you're just going to put it in a museum? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, but yeah, really fucking good video. Go and check it out. Uh, it'll make you, um, I was going to say, make you happy. Made me happy, but that's because I fucking love Land Rovers. Um, but yeah, go give the video a watch because it's fucking great. Uh
1: that's it. Al, what about you? Uh talking of restoration, uh I came across something and it's called the Fourth Cone. The Fourth Cone? Yeah, I don't know if that's a reference to the cones in your eye that um receptors for colour yeah. and light. Hey, cat, <laughs> The cat's pulling my headphones at my ear. <laughs> what? Um the fourth cone and they restore like movie posters. Oh. And it's fucking brilliant. And that, some the... of it's just by hand, like like paintbrush and pencil, and just like touching stuff up. Some of it's about all the backing and the paper that they're on, and like the glue and stuff. And it's just it, it's so satisfying to watch, and I love it. And they're they're, keep, they're keeping these bits of cinematic history alive. Um, yeah, and it's it, it's just a great channel. And it's really mixed bag of like different things. Um, I think they've got a YouTube as well. Yeah, It yeah, yeah. goes into a bit more depth. Fourth cone restoration.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh, right.
1: Sorry, where were you seeing it? Oh, not on YouTube, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Just fourth cone. Fourth. Third, not the number.
2: Yeah. I, it's so interesting. All they have on their YouTube channel is shorts. Like, oh, yeah. Damn it! <laughs> Just show me a fucking long format for one. <laughs> awesome.
0: Not Yeah, beautiful. I'm just beautiful. Looking at some of that stuff, not looks fucking great. Um, cool, oh, good show. Oh, no. uh, right. Is there any other business other than Jazz trying to eat your headphones? No? No, I'm guessing... I'm taking that as a no, then. Because uh, all I can see at the moment is the cat. Um, in which case... Oh, we've got an email. We've got an email. We've got an email. Da-da-da-da-da. You guys could feel this dead air if you wanted to. Yeah, because my cat is
1: trying to kill the headphones and the microphone. I'm Thank you. Edit out. Uh,
0: no, no, don't edit it out. Leave this in. People love this. Uh, right, and of course it's from fucking Alan. Uh, I think the sun is getting to me. I'm trying to think of a good joke about ice cream toppings, but I can't remember any. I used to have hundreds and thousands. Fuck's sakes. Which uh,
2: no one in America listening to this will understand what the fuck that means.
0: Uh, it's what we call sprinkles.
2: Um,
1: there you go. Thank you. So yes. Oh, now uh, I
0: get
2: the joke. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Uh, so yeah, if you uh, if you want to drop us an email, then you can... You also put
1: millions on, which were a different kind of suite, which were a little yeah, bit nicer.
0: They're like... Yeah, but millions are like nerds, but
1: better because yeah. nerds would just... And weirdly, they were bigger. You'd think if there were millions, yeah. you'd get more of them, so they'd be smaller, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, i don't fucking know.
0: Uh, but yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at hello at fwtpodcast um,
1: But yeah, if you want to get a hold of the three, is of there us, any
0: other business? I asked like four times. And you said yeah, no. I,
1: Oh Yeah, and the cat's are eating my headphones, so I couldn't hear it. Could I? <laughs> I couldn't lip read you. Did you have any other? Are they, yeah, any, other, I have any other? business? what is it? Go and watch the turtles movie. It's fucking brilliant. What turtles movie? Mutant um, oh, Mew- okay. Mayhem. Yeah. Oh, is it the, the new animated one it's it's the best piece of Turtles cinema that has ever existed okay yeah it's fantastic it's, it's a, a proper homage to the comic books I'm the animation mean. is the animation makes into the Spider-Verse look like a fucking Disney film it's I love it Ooh. Yeah. it's great Trent Reznor does the soundtrack it's just fucking it's, oh, really? it's superb yeah
0: all right, yeah, I will uh, go watch it. try and check that out. Um, so, yeah, if you want to get hold of us, uh, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metalworks. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Al's Cat Shack. There we go. Uh, and if you want to find us as a group, then we are Fools with Tools in most of the places. Um, and stop why would you point the camera at your cat that's distracting and brett's in a hurry he needs to leave uh what the fuck what what else do i need to say yeah if you want to get a hold of us hello at fwtpodcast.com uh that's it so until next time we love you goodbye goodbye
1: Bye.